yet the Bible shows us very clearly that the promises were made to Abraham prior to the law coming to effect, prior to any law being put in place, prior to any other covenant apart from the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham. Which covenant when he made with Abraham, he put on his own oath on it. What I mean is, he put his own name, he saw it by his own name, that the promises he's going to make to Abraham shall be fulfilled. That was before the law. That was before any other statutes that we hear in the time of Moses. We read that grace and truth came through Jesus, but the law came through Moses. That's in John chapter 1. Those things are very, very important. And therefore, when we read the book of Galatians, Paul tries by all means to explain, to make us understand that the reason for the law is not as people propose things. The law was given as a tutor, as a guardian, until the time of Jesus. Now that the Jesus has come, faith now in Christ replaces everything. What God was trying to achieve by the law by allowing the law to be put in place no longer now applies because Christ came and he became the fulfillment of every law when therefore there is no more need to try and you know go and do the law and, and repeat all the things that they were doing before in order to please God they were pleasing God and God was not promising them that everybody who will be doing this they will be given the status of righteousness but rather Whoever does the law will live by the law. It was a life issue. It was a lifestyle issue. So, I don't want to go back to that message. And most importantly, God wanted to show to men that this kind of lifestyle issue, when you do this, you will live by them. That's why you hear things like honor, honoring parents, not worshipping idols, not coveting, not stealing. All these things even though we don't go and label them and put them on a board or put them somewhere clearly where we read them every day and say tick, tick, tick. Everyone can agree that all those laws that God has given, they describe a community which is peaceful, a community which is loving, a community which each and every one of us would like to be a part of. So if in the kingdom of God, these are the principles by which man is supposed to live, I don't believe that anybody can say, I don't want this, I don't need this. Everybody actually will be accommodating this, will be happy to say, thank you, Lord, for directing us to live this way because we are able now to live peacefully and joyfully and equally without oppressing one another because that's what the laws were promoting. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, people began to think that the law was given by God so that people can please God and then they can be made righteous. No. God never wanted it that way. It was only meant to keep them in the right track until the coming of Jesus so that grace and truth will be revealed through him and now men can go back to living by faith. And it was not a new thing, by the way. Just now our faith is in Christ who fulfilled the requirements of the law. But then, the issue of the promise, the issue of him coming as a promise, it is something that was done by God to Abraham. It was a promise made to Abraham that he would be a father of nations and to him and his seed, as in Christ, not many seeds, this promise will stand, but this promise through him will be fulfilled. 
So it was waiting upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now God is a God who did not do everything like this year, next year, next year, next year. No, it took time. It took decades. It took centuries. It took generation after generation for all these things to be fulfilled. So he had to give them something to keep them going. This, I thank God that I began to understand it, that even when you give birth to a child, before the child becomes mature enough that you can trust them and say, go and do this and this, be responsible, be a responsible person, live your life. You have to guide them every day. You have to guide them through. You have to give them a set of rules. You have to look at them, sometimes punishing them, disciplining them, until they reach an age where even the kind of discipline you were using before when they were children, it cannot work anymore because they've matured, they've grown up now. And now they become responsible adults. So you're able to release them to go and do what they're supposed to do. That's what happens also in the kingdom of God. But within the kingdom of God, it's not the emphasis is not on the physical or the flesh, it's on the spirit. So we are recreated or born again, meaning our spirit. And now there is our spirit that needs to grow. This spirit has been learning from the flesh since you were born. Depending on when you were born again, which age you were born again, it determines how difficult or how how, how your mind has been trained, how your spirit has already been trained by your experiences. A person who's repenting at an older age, they have been trained so much. I believe, therefore, there could be an advantage in being born again when it's early. That's why I encourage you as a youth, enjoy your salvation. Don't wait for any other moment later. Don't wait until you reach a certain age when you are mature, when you are old, according to the way the world thinks. Enjoy your youth and your salvation now and explore more of God now because you are at a stage where your spirit is still easily influenced or being re-educated so that you can think different, act different, live different. Sometimes when people grow old, they begin to say, ah, this is life, this is the way it is. So they are not very easily persuaded to change things because they want comfortability. They want, uh, they, want, they want something that will make them, as long as they are comfortable, as long as life is still going on, as long as they are still affording their house, their car, and they are still even able to buy grocery, they don't care. But you see, you, at your stage, you are not minding much about those things. You need to go for the glory. You need to go for the power. You need to go for the grace. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Because most of you, you don't have this to worry about more. Elderly people, some of them, they're already worried about, hey, I've got so many children. What will I give them? What will I, how will I take care of them? Oh, I've got so many heads in the house. So what will I do? So all these things, they contribute towards somebody refusing or rejecting the prompting of the Spirit of God. Remember, said the Holy Spirit will teach you, will teach your spirit. So when the Spirit is prompting your spirit to begin to act somehow, it's like, oh, if I take all my savings and I give them or I use them for the work of God, wow, what about the school fees? What about that child who needs uniform? Are you getting what I'm... I'm just giving you as an example. So there are many things that the more you grow older and then you become more responsible about certain things, your spirit is not easily influenced or taught. It's not easily persuaded to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But it is when you are still free 
It is when you are still not having anything. Paul, one time he was giving advice, he says, I would rather advise you that if your sin will remain sin, why? If we are focusing on the purpose of serving God, remain like that. Why? He says, because your mind is on the things of God. Your working is on the things of God. You wake up to pray, to serve God, to build. Everything about you is about God. But if you have got somebody else, you have got a hubby, you have got a wifey, you must think about buying roses. You must think about buying chocolate. You must, I get what I'm saying to you. The time you could have been devoting it for other things, for devotion, you are devoting it to make somebody happy. But I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. But I'm just showing you that the more you mature into a certain things, into certain levels, they consume, they take your attention and your time. And what was supposed to be a devotion in your mind, in your life, in your spirit, for other things, becomes preoccupied by other things. Paul was highlighting that to make us to understand that our spiritual life suffers the attention we give our needs here in this world. But that does not mean we lose our position with God. No. It does not mean we become wicked. It doesn't mean we become sinners. No. It just means that we must understand it won't be as easy as it could have been. Now, by saying that, I'm not intimidating anyone to say that stay away or don't do that. No, no, no. There are ways. There are ways. You just have to have the consciousness. Are you, are you with me? You must just have the consciousness when you enter into something that this has got the potential to influence me this way and therefore I must have a plan in advance. I must have a contingency plan. I must have a plan of how I will deal with issues. I will deal with the demand that will be needed from me to give to God. How will I balance my life? So you need, you need to have that in your mind. You need to be thinking of that. But I will need to have a plan of how do I balance my spiritual life to my life here, my career, my business, my everything. Sometimes we miss it because we don't do that. We just want things to fall into place naturally by itself. And if you leave things to take, or nature to take its course, nature will really take its course. But you need to channel certain things so that things can go the right way. So now today, I want to go into something that will add on from our, in our discussions. Let's look at the covenant. Let's look at the new and the old. The old and the new covenant which in other way is the Old and the New Testament. That's what basically it means. Covenant can be testament. You can, you, you can, you can stop those two words, those words, and interchange them in how you use them. Covenant, testament is the same thing. That's why sometimes we hear people say New Testament, Old Testament, or Old Covenant, New Covenant. So it is like you can swap them around. But God is a God who made a covenant with Abraham. A covenant which was sealed or confirmed by a process called circumcision. He said anyone who will be part of this will have to be circumcised. They had to circumcise boys on the eighth day after their birth so that they can be a part of the covenant. It does not mean that if it was after, it can, they cannot be. No. 
but God's recommendation was as long as the child lived. So meaning, on the eighth day, the child will be circumcised and the child will be given a name. Those children were not, their names were not conferred on them on the day they were born, like what we have, we, we do, our custom here. No. Even though there can be a name, like John, already they knew the name, like Jesus, they already knew the name. But for him to be conferred, that name to be confirmed on him, but his name is, is done on the eighth day. That is the eighth day. But now, our God is a God of the covenant. That's why we call him a covenant keeper. The covenant keeping God. You will realize that it was his own way of making sure that he keeps people doing the right thing. It was not that circumcision for him was the very important thing. No, it was not the act itself which is important. It was following the instruction of God. Because following the instruction of God shows discipline, showed trust, showed dedication. Are you with me? It shows that you are partaking with Him. It shows that you are walking with Him. That was just a way of saying. That's why when you continue to go to the New Testament, you realize whether one is circumcised or not, it does not matter. But in the beginning, it seemed like it mattered. But that was the only way God was going to make sure that people can also feel that I'm part of something. If you check people in this world, anything that does not cost people anything, they don't, they don't care. Is that not so? When something is given freely, people are somehow, when it does not cost you anything, people usually, their attitude is like they don't care. People mind when something they are receiving. They, 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 they suffered for it, they struggled for it, or they did something to help that. Then they begin to value. Usually, people don't value what it does not cost them anything. But now these people, because they knew that to be a part of God's way, that's why you can't even go, even today, you can't go and make them to talk bad about Moses, about Abraham, because it costs them. It, they, they feel like it costs them to live that life. So you can't just go and talk any way you want with them. It costs them. But now today, we are coming with a gospel that must make them to understand that what you think it costs you to be partaking of this life is not. Because what is needed is only faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. So now, God made the agreement between himself and Abraham. And later, to the descendants of Abraham. This is now part of the covenant which we call the old covenant that God made. God made it. And when he was making this covenant with Abraham, he also put promises. These are the promises. These promises help to focus so that you can know that I'm not in this for Mahala. I'm in this because there's something to be rewarded. There's something to get. There's something to receive. If I were to obey this and fulfill this, there's something that I'm going to have. So God used all of these things so that it can help people to commit themselves, help them to be partakers of the covenant that he is making with mankind. God made this covenant with Abraham. And part of the covenant described that Abraham, you will be a father of many nations. At that time, Abraham had no child. 
he had no heir. Eleazar, who was his servant, was the first runner, run up, runner up to receive everything that Abraham was having. That's why Abraham was not hesitant to take Lot along with him. Because he knew that at least if there's anyone, somebody from my own family, from my own brothers, can receive everything that I have. That's why he was not hesitating. That's why even the day when Abraham was standing with the Lord and the Lord was beginning to say, no, we cannot stay together because we are now having so much livestock together. And our, our, our headsmen are not able to work together. And even our heads, you know, our, our flock now is too much that we cannot, they cannot graze in the same space. Let's divide. Let's go separate ways. You see Abraham saying to Lord, you choose first. That's the love that Abraham had. He says, you choose first. You know, people who are so good sometimes, who are so loving, who are so caring, you will be surprised that they are the ones who suffer. They are the ones who struggle. They are the ones who delay to receive what they are wanting. But somebody just goes out of wedlock, out of not married, not having a good relationship, not having somebody steady, all of a sudden, child, babies, whatever. I'm just giving you an example. When, when, when you look at life, that's why the Ecclesiastes, the teacher will say, is vanity upon vanity upon vanity. Because you look at somebody who's preparing themselves, going to school study, trying to get education, trying to make business. Then the next thing, they want to have something. They struggle. They struggle. Now they must go to doctors. Doctor this, doctor that. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying to you? So this things that are happening. It's not like it's a new thing under the sun. It happened to Father Abraham. But God made a promise with him, even when his life was as difficult as that. God made him a promise that he will be a father of many nations. God also said to him, the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Every nation, every people of every nationality, they are going to be blessed through your life. Meaning, I'm going to do something so great, so profound with your life, that your life will not only be the only one that will be blessed. I will make you great. I will make you an exceedingly great reward. I'm your exceedingly great reward, but I will make you great. God, when he was speaking this to Abraham, he was also showing him that I am going to use you to connect my people of every other nation to the blessing that I have been receiving from the foundations of the earth. They don't know how to get it. They don't know how to get there. But through you, I'm going to begin something wonderful. And what was God doing to him? God influenced Abraham to live a life of faith. He says, Abraham, be blameless before me. Come and walk before me. God just called Abraham to live a life of faith. And it is this faith that we hear that Abraham believed God and it was credited or accounted to him for righteousness. So his righteousness was not because he was given a many, many laws, many, many rules, and then he obeyed them, and then he was, he was good before God. No. So, I thank God that we have already touched the issue of the law and the promise of God is not the same thing. And people shouldn't be confusing the two because each one serves its own purpose. Again, part of the covenant that God made, within the covenant that God had made with Abraham, he also said to him, not only am I going to use it to bless everybody all over the world, everybody from every walk of life, everybody from every nationality. But God said to him, I'm promising you a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This land will be your inheritance and also the inheritance of your descendants. So I'm just giving you some, some, some points 
that are part of the covenant. Right? Number one, I said, let me repeat them very quickly. Number one, I said, those who are part of that covenant, who will receive the covenant, will symbolically hold a sign or they will have a sign in their body which is called circumcision. They will be circumcised. Alright? That's just symbolic. Alright? Now, again, when God was making this agreement with Abraham, initially, it was like speaking to one man, but yet God had a plan that he was going to include his descendants and other people from other nations. So now, part of that covenant again, the second thing, is that Abraham is going to be a father of many nations. He's going to be a father of many nations. His descendants will be as numerous as the sand in the sea. Alright? His descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. So he was promised he will be a father of many nations. Then, again, as part of it, he was promised that every people, all peoples all over the earth, peoples all over the earth, are going to be blessed through you. That was again another promise that God made. These are things that God put under the covenant that he was making with Abraham. Are you with me? Then, again, he promised him that the land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan, I'm going to give it to you. It had its own occupants. It had its own people there. There were citizens there. But God promised him, I'm going to give it to you. I'll take it from them. I'll give it to you. And this land will be your inheritance and the inheritance of your descendants after you. Glory be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some scriptures that can help you to understand that. I'm not going to read them because of time. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 2. Genesis 17, verse 1 to 2. Secondly, chapter 12, the book of Genesis, verse 2 to 3. Maybe maybe we'll read one or two. Just put one or two there. Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3. All right? Thirdly, chapter 13, verses 15 to verses 17. 13, verses 15 to verses 17. Lastly, chapter 17, the book of Genesis. All of this is in the book of Genesis. 17 and verse 4. 17 and verse 4. Maybe let's look at 15 verse 7. Genesis 15 verse 7. We look at what what God said to Abraham in Genesis 15 and verse number 7. That was a time when God was appearing to him and he said to him, I am. Let's look at it. Genesis 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still with me, somebody? Are you still with me there? Look at this. He says, Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of all of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. You see that? It's what God promised him. He promised him. Why? Because he had a covenant with him. He promised him. Maybe let's read. let's read these verses. Let's read these verses because no matter what, I think it will be good. Seven, chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Let's read them very quickly. I believe God will give us the grace. It's important that we do that. Chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I'm Almighty God. <clears throat> Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Do you see that? 
I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. So already God is promising him multiplication. I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. That's verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Oh, I love it. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but it shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations for, of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you, and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you, and your descendants after you, the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you, throughout the generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you, and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Oh, glory be to God. That's what I wanted you to see. Every male child amongst you shall be circumcised. That's what God said. So you read for yourself that Genesis 17. Take it all the way down to, to verse from the beginning. Take it all the way down to verse 10. Take it all the way down to verse 10. It will bless your life. Genesis 17 from verse 1. To, because it summarizes everything that I'm talking about, about the covenant. Now look at that Genesis 13, verse 15 and 17. For all the land which I see, I give to you. All the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Arise, walk in the land, or walk through the land, through its length, its width, for I give it to you. So God already promised him, I'm giving you this land. It belongs to you. Chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And you, so, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These are the things I was explaining to you that were part of the covenant that God is making. So he made him promises which were part of the covenant. That this covenant was symbolized by them partaking of the circumcision. Hallelujah. I hope that is clear enough. No one is, no one, no one, no one is confused about this. Now, I want you to understand this. This covenant that God made with him when you look at Genesis 28, verse 13 and 14, Genesis 28, verse 13 and 14, you'll find that God renewed this covenant with his grandson. Okay? Let's look at Genesis 28, verse 13 and 14. God renewed this covenant. So this covenant, to show that what God promised is not a liar. If he said, I'll do something, he would do it. So he told Abraham, way before there was any child, Abraham was struggling with Sarah, they were barren. But God promised him that you and your descendants, that's what I'll do. Now look at that, verse 13 and 14. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, right? The Lord, sorry, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Now, look at it. Okay? The land I'm giving it to you. That's a promise. I'll give you the land which you're lying on. Your descendants, right, are going to be like dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad and 
to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see now, God. God was rekindling that same covenant which he made with Abraham. Now the issue is, as God promised Abraham and his descendants a land as an inheritance, and God promised them that they're going to be father of many, many nations, and God promised that through him nations will be blessed. The issue is, did they receive the land? Today I want to talk about something that most of the time I'll just say, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Did they receive the land? Yes or no? Did they come to the land of promise? Did they inherit the land of promise? Did they come to the land of milk and honey? Yes, they did. Did they, did Abraham end up with a child? Yes, he did. Did he end up seeing his children increasing more and more? Yes, it happened. You know the Bible says, when Jacob, the same Jacob we are talking about, when he had his sons, he had a lot of experiences. Because now we are reading when he was running away after receiving a blessing from his father Isaac. And Esau was very angry, so he was running away, going to Laban. After 20 years of spending time with Laban, because seven years he spent paying Lobola for the first wife, the next seven years he spent paying Lobola for the second wife, right? That makes it 14. The last six years he was working, saving to create wealth, to create enough income, enough to support his family because he had a big family. So he served the last six years so that he can have enough because he came with nothing. So the only way he can have something was to serve so that he can be paying back whatever the liquor he was getting. Glory be to God. So after 20 years, he came back. He came back to the same land that God promised that these are the lands that your children Abraham will occupy this land. He came back to the land of Canaan. He knew that he can't end up in whatever land because he is not supposed to end up there because God promised his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham that his children and his descendants will stay in Canaan. That's why after 20 years, he came back. After 20 years. So what am I saying to you? Child of God, you might go wandering. You might go everywhere. You might do whatever. But ultimately at the end, you must come back to the promise of God. You must come back to the promised land. You must come back to a place where God wants you to be because that's where you will flourish. That's where you will extend. That's where you must grow old. That's where you must belong. That's where you must enjoy your life. Are you hearing me, somebody? He went about. He went everywhere trying to collect wealth. When he came back, he knew that his brother was not having enough also. But when he came back, he came back with substance. He was thinking he's very rich. He was surprised that when he came back, he found Esau so rich to a point where whatever he wanted to give to Esau, Esau says, no, I don't have a need for what you are having because God himself has blessed me in the land. Are you telling, I mean, I must speak to somebody. You don't need to go and be blessed somewhere else. You must remain in the land. Isaac, when he wanted to go somewhere in the time of famine, God says, remain in the land which I promised to your father. Remain here. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go anywhere. Remain in the land and sow your seed and trust in me. When he sowed his seed in that land, the Bible says the very same year, the land which was barren, the land which was not producing, the land which was under famine, for him it brought forth a hundredfold back in fruitfulness. Somebody say hallelujah. Why? Because it was in the land where God promised that Abraham, your children will flourish when they are here. 
Your children will be blessed when they are here. This is why today we can cry to God and say, Father, you said we will be blessed. You said we will flourish. You said we will be great. I don't care what the devourer says. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care that the enemy, whenever I'm sowing a seed, he tries to eat my seed. But one thing I know, I'm standing on the promises you made to Father Abraham. But those who will be of like faith, those who will believe to you by faith, those who will live by faith like Abraham will be blessed. And I, I believe I'm blessed. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? We declare the promises that God has made. We declare them. Even though there's famine, even though there's trouble, even though there's challenge, but we keep declaring the promise of God. Glory be to the Lord. So the question is, did they receive? Did they partake of everything that God said? Yes, they did. Now, 